ETL Echo presents The Illuminating Case of Amortentia by Annie Aria. The day had started innocuously enough for Draco, the same as every day had over the past few months. He, Potter, and Granger had sat together in the kitchen of Grimmauld Place. Granger always sat in the chair closest to the fire, Crookshanks curled on her lap, her long, chocolate-brown curls tumbling over her shoulder, her brown eyes sparkling. She looked great in her aura tunic, the dark blue material flattering her skin tone. She clasped a cup of coffee to her chest, black, beans from Colombia, one spoonful of sugar, and Draco had watched as she said something to Potter that made him bark out laughing, making his own cup, English breakfast tea, lots of milk and two sugars, the heathen, come dangerously close to spilling. The three of them had been an aura trio for the past six months, yet Draco still felt like an intruder sometimes. Shortly after they'd finished breakfast, their tip had come through, and the three of them found themselves at a small cluster of buildings in South London. They'd been working undercover for a good couple of months now, trying to flush out the illegal potions ring that had been running circles around the DMLE. Their tip had brought them to yet another abandoned warehouse, the floors covered in grime with cobwebs hanging from the ceiling. Draco sighed unhappily. His aura robes, so clean and pressed when he'd started work that day, were now crumpled and dusty, and he was sure his hair was faring just as badly. He cast a look over to Potter, creeping alongside him in the gloom. Potter's hair was just as unruly and messy as usual, and Draco hid a grin. At least Potter never had to worry about his appearance after a long day in the field. Wand raised, Draco trod quietly over the creaking floorboards, his eyes scanning the gloom for any hints of danger but he couldn't see anything out of the ordinary. As they finished their sweep of the ground floor of the warehouse, Potter gave Draco a look. "'I don't think this is the place,' Potter said, his shoulders sloping dejectedly. Draco cast another quick hominum revelio, just to be sure, but as he suspected, it came back negative. "'Me neither. Let's check out the other floors to be sure. Granger will have our necks if we don't do a full sweep.' The DMLE had been running horror trios for several months now, one for offense, one for defense, and one running tactics, observation, and medical support. There had been no question when Draco joined the Gryffindor dream team of Potter and Granger that Potter would run offense in their trio. He was a powerful wizard, and Draco suspected he didn't even really need his wand half the time. He was an elegant duelist with an incredible force behind him. Not having him on point would have been foolish. Granger, fiendishly clever, magically perfect, with her logical mind that was calm under pressure, ran support. Her year of studying to be a healer at St. Mungo's before joining the DMLE instead also helped immensely. Coupled with her ability to turn her hand to so many kinds of magic, Granger was invaluable in the support role. Draco was the perfect fit to complete their little trio. He had worked hard in the department to prove himself and his talents, and he knew he had a reputation for being steadfast as well as a skill most others did not. He could dual-wield. He was ambidextrous, and when Potter returned his Hawthorne wand to him after the war, Draco had decided to carry on using his new one as well. And he was careful, surviving the Dark Lords living in his house, working alone to try and save his family. Everything he'd suffered during the war had stripped the old Draco Malfoy down and rebuilt him as someone whose self-preservation was stronger than ever. That self-preservation now extended to his teammates as well, as he took on the defense role in their team. Together, Draco and Potter climbed the creaky stairs to the next floor, battling even more cobwebs as they did. Granger was on observation outside, under a disillusionment charm. 
Draco knew her silvery otter Patronus would be gambling around outside with her, ready to bring a warning to him and Potter at a moment's notice. "'What's that smell?' Potter asked as they made their way through the wooden crates and cracked cauldrons, his voice sharp and suspicious. Draco took a deep breath in, keeping his wand raised as he did. There was definitely a remarkably familiar scent on the air, but a strange one. It reminded him of a dozen things at once, none of them seemingly related to the other. The old books in the library at Hogwarts, the smell of the cold, fresh air of an early morning Quidditch practice, rich black coffee entwined with sugary tea. A treacherous, ephemeral thought started to uncurl in Draco's mind. I can smell coffee and old books and Quidditch and apples, Potter said, his voice colored with confusion. Draco's suspicions were realized with Potter's words once he overcame his shock at the sense Potter admitted to smelling. "'I think it's Amotentia,' he said, and Potter gave him a surprised look, the color rising on his face. Draco ignored him, instead creeping forward, eyes straining in the gloom but unwilling to cast a lumos that might give away their position to an enemy. He sniffed again, following the scent as it got stronger, trying his best to push down the riot of emotions that threatened to spill out. He knew what the things he could smell meant, but he was in no way ready to deal with that right now. Focus on the job. As they advanced shoulder to shoulder, Draco was secretly grateful for Potter's familiar bulk beside him. It was a nice feeling, being on the same team now. Caught up in his thoughts, he didn't notice the strange, shimmering orb that floated up from a battered cauldron at first. He spotted it at the same moment Potter cried out. Malfoy! Potter's voice rose in panic and Draco cast the strongest protego he could manage as Potter swung his wand with a growl and shot a bright blue hex in the direction of the orb. It glanced right off, and the orb advanced on them at a worryingly fast speed. Bugger! Draco cast a secondary protego with his hawthorn wand, and as the glowing orb hit his shields, it exploded into a million pearly drops of liquid. To Draco's horror, the shimmering, pearlescent drops hovered in the air and slowly pushed through his shield. Malfoy, what— Potter's voice was on the edge of panic, and he cast his own protego to no avail. The shimmering drops pushed their way through that as well, and Potter grabbed hold of Draco's hand, in alarm or defense or resignation, Draco wasn't sure, and squeezed it tight as the drops landed on the skin of their hands, forearms, and faces. Draco felt as if he'd been dipped into a hot, perfumed bath, and for a moment he was taken back to sixth year when he'd slipped unseen into the prefect's bathroom for a late-night bath only to find Potter naked with his eyes closed, already in the enormous tub. A second later, all the drops had absorbed. Draco looked at Potter, taking mental inventory of his partner's physical state. He seemed fine, unharmed at least, if a little shocked. His eyes, so green and intense behind his glasses they made Draco's traitorous heart skip a beat, stared back at him, a question on his face. Draco had to push down a sudden, tempting thought to push him back against the grimy warehouse wall and kiss him until he could no longer breathe. I don't know what the fuck that was, Potter said, his voice grim, breaking Draco's urge. But we're not sticking around to find out. Without waiting for Draco to respond, Potter grabbed Draco's forearm, causing his skin to flare at his touch, and apparated them both away without even bothering to use his wand. They landed next to Granger, still waiting in position outside the building. She was in front of both of them instantly. Disillusionment dropped. She pulled first Potter and then Draco close to her, running her hands over their limbs, casting a quick succession of diagnostic charms over them. "'What happened in there? Are you both okay? I knew it was stupid not to go in with you. Honestly, what was I thinking?' 
Potter gave Draco a bemused look as she carried on muttering to herself, and Draco couldn't help smiling in response. He'd quickly learned to let Granger get on with what she wanted when she was like this. After a few more moments, Potter reached out and laid a gentle but firm hand on her shoulder. Hermione, let's get back. We'll debrief you then. Granger glared at Potter for a moment, then sighed and nodded. She and Potter drew their wands and apparated a second before Draco did. And in that second, when they disappeared in front of him, Draco felt a pain, like someone had pulled his limbs apart, taken away a vital part of him. Hermione reholstered her wand before she'd even landed fully from her apparition, turning briskly to where Harry and Draco had appeared alongside her in the kitchen. Right. Both of you sit down and tell me what happened, she commanded as they staggered into view. She didn't care if she sounded bossy. With other people, both in the DMLE and outside, she'd learned to quiet herself, to speak softly and diplomatically. But around Harry and Ron, she could be herself. She'd quickly realized that around Draco, in a strange way, she felt the same. He gave her the same smirk, the same sarcastic, quick-witted responses, regardless of how she acted, so she decided to do what made her happy. Right now, though, both Harry and Draco appeared to be ignoring her. They grasped at the kitchen table as though unsteady on their feet, and when she took a close look at them both, she could see they looked feverish, with bright, glassy eyes and a faint sheen of sweat on their forearms. They watched each other with a strange intensity, their eyes flashing and suspicious. "'Oh, Merlin!' she breathed in alarm, and she whipped her wand free as first Harry, then Draco, collapsed, their eyes rolling back as they fainted. Only Hermione's quick cushioning charm stopped them both from colliding with the stone floor. She felt a small flutter of panic, but she quickly tampered it down. She couldn't take them to St. Mungo's. She couldn't pull in any support without breaking open the case they'd been working on for half a year. She was on her own, but this is what she was trained for. Casting a wordless levitation charm, Hermione gently waved the boys through to the ground floor spare bedroom. It was a little dusty, but had a pair of beds in there as well as a small bathroom attached, which made it ideal as an informal sick bay. Hermione had long ago stocked the cupboards with potions and dressings, and a small bookshelf held all of her old healing textbooks from her healer days. When she had levitated Harry and Draco to the beds, over the covers and still in their uniforms, Hermione cast a diagnostic charm on each of them. She scanned the information quickly, feeling her forehead draw into a deep frown as she did. Both of their reports were clean. There was nothing to suggest they were anything other than completely healthy and fighting fit, were it not for the fact that they were both lying unconscious in front of her. Hermione pulled off her aura robe and flung it over the understuffed chair in the corner, rolled up her sleeves, and cast a curse detection charm over them instead. Charm after charm she tried as her hair grew bigger and bigger, eventually escaping completely from the high bun she wore for work. Harry and Draco slept on regardless, silent and still. Eventually, Hermione called for Creature, and the house-elf brought her some tea and sandwiches and an old tin pail filled with warm, soapy water. She ate quickly, barely tasting the food, and drank a cup of tea before turning to Harry. She brushed his dark, messy hair back. He never had learned to tame his hair as an adult any more than she had, really, and looked down at him fondly. She'd never really had a friend, not a proper one, until she got to Hogwarts and made friends with Harry and Ron. Even though recently... Not that she'd really admit it to herself, she found herself daydreaming more about Harry than she knew she should. Casting a quick spell to relieve him of his aura uniform, Hermione gently washed down his face, chest, and arms before moving down to his legs. She couldn't see any injuries or curse marks on him, and she was confident enough in her examination that she didn't need to remove his underwear to check the rest of his body, even as she felt heat rise in her cheeks at the thought. 
She'd trained as a healer for Merlin's sake. A body was just a body. Except this one is Harry's, a traitorous voice in her mind piped up. Shaking her head, she pulled the covers back up around Harry and left him to rest while she repeated the same care for Draco. His skin was pale and scarred, in such contrast to Harry, and she was equally relieved to find him similarly unmarked. She didn't want to examine too closely the uncomfortable feelings she had when she thought of checking the rest of his body for marks, too. It had just been a long day, she insisted to that voice in her head, and these were her partners. They were relying on her to protect them right now and to work out what was wrong with them, not imagine what their bodies looked like beneath their pants. It was as she pulled the covers up around Draco's still form that Hermione noticed his signet ring. Heavy and silver, inscribed with an ornate M, she'd never seen him without it on. It glistened oddly in the lamplight of the room, and she took his hand gently in hers to examine it more closely. A fat drop of pearly liquid sat on the surface of the metal. Hermione reached into a pocket on her auror tunic, pulling free a tiny glass vial, and using her wand, she carefully siphoned off the liquid into the vial. Turning away from her still-sleeping partners, leaving a muted caterwaul charm in place for if they woke, she made her way to the small potions lab on the second floor. Harry and Draco both woke up eventually, much later in the afternoon, within minutes of each other. Creature had been watching over them and appeared with a crack while Hermione drank some coffee, several books propped open before her, to tell her that they'd woken just as the modified caterwaul charm activated. She hurried after the elf, relief flooding her when she entered the room and found both of them sitting up in bed, looking tousled and confused, but okay. They let Hermione poke and prod them with her wand as Creature disappeared to the kitchen to prepare some tea and cake, and together they recounted everything they could remember from being in the warehouse. Hermione listened carefully, and when they finished the story, she took a deep breath. "'I think you're under the influence of a modified amortensia potion,' Hermione explained cautiously, watching as Harry's green eyes widened in surprise and Draco's silver ones narrowed in suspicion. "'Modified how?' Draco was the first to speak, and Hermione turned her attention to him as Harry sat silently in bed. Well, its potion form was changed so the victim doesn't have to ingest it for one, she exclaimed as Draco nodded shortly. Harry collapsed back against his pillows. Creature appeared with a crack, pressing a hot cup of tea into his hands. You absorbed it through your skin, where I think it went straight into your bloodstream. From there, it was carried throughout your body— instead of being localized to your stomach. So much more long-lasting, Draco surmised, and Hermione nodded, secretly impressed. She was so used to working with Harry and Ron and being the only one engaged in any of the intellectual work. Exactly, she agreed. I think it could take months for the effects of the potion to wear off. Months? came Harry's horrified gasp, tea forgotten in his hands. He and Draco shared a wary look. I also managed to extract a drop of the potion that had landed on your signet ring, Malfoy, Hermione added, and Draco looked down at the heavy silver ring inscribed with an ornate M he wore on his little finger. It's heavily enchanted, he started to explain, but Hermione was already nodding. Luckily for us, she said, and she pushed a piece of parchment toward Draco. He picked it up carefully, as if her inked words could bite him. His eyes darted over the list quickly, his expression betraying nothing as he did. When he was done, he neatly folded the parchment back in two and held it back out to her. From the other bed, Creature was trying to tempt Harry into eating an enormous, wonky slice of Victoria sponge cake. "'You need sugar, young master,' the elf was saying, "'for the shock!' 
This is the ingredients list for Amotensia, Draco said shortly, leaning back against the headboard, with some additions. This is the breakdown I managed to get from the drop. There was unicorn hair and not grass added to the formula. Harry dropped his head into his hands with a groan. This is like being back in Slughorn's class, he lamented, and Draco flashed Hermione a conspiratorial grin that made her feel warm and somehow fizzy inside. What does that mean, Hermione? Well, usually amortensia is used to make the victim believe themselves to be in love with the person who dosed them, Hermione said as Harry nodded. He finally took the cake from Creature but didn't eat any. I think the unicorn hair is to focus the victim on the real object of their affections instead. So the potion will amplify only feelings that are already in place, make the victim feel an irresistible physical pull towards whomever they find most attractive. She noticed how both Harry and Draco froze momentarily at her words, studiously ignoring each other, and an unwelcome, uncomfortable curl of disquiet squirmed in Hermione's heart. As for not-grass... Knotgrass is used in polyjuice, Draco supplied, as Harry reluctantly gave in to Creature's persistent nudges and took a bite of cake. It ties you to another person. Hermione nodded in approval at Draco's quick mind. Of course, she'd always known Draco had excelled at potions, and that he'd managed to create polyjuice potion himself back at Hogwarts. Exactly. It does a similar thing here, I think, working with the unicorn hair, to amplify the feelings of attraction. It will make the victim feel like there is a connection between them and the object of their affection. And, along with the absorption method, it increases the longevity of the effects. There was silence in the bedroom as they took in her words, broken only by the tinkling of Creature pouring more tea into Harry's cup. So, we're stuck like this for a while, Harry finally said, looking glumly into his teacup as Creature stroked his arm in what Hermione supposed was an attempt at a comforting manner. "'I could call in robots,' Hermione's words died at the twin scowls from Draco and Harry. "'And waste all of our hard work on this case?' Draco shook his head. "'Potter and I can cope, I'm sure.' "'Of course,' Harry agreed, green eyes flashing dangerously. "'We're not breaking cover for this.' Hermione nodded, eyes narrowing as Harry yawned suddenly, collapsing back on his pillows. Draco looked just as tired, violet shadows beneath his silver eyes. Fine. Now I know the ingredients. I can try and start working on an antidote. In the meantime, I want you two to rest. Hermione put her hands on her hips to accompany her most healer-like voice, the one she'd perfected to emphasize her authority at St. Mungo's. You've been through a lot today. You're on bed rest until tomorrow at minimum. To her relief, they both seemed inclined to obey her. An even creature gave her a sour scowl and disappeared with a click of his fingers. Hermione flashed them one last smile before leaving the room and closing the door firmly behind her. Harry's mind reeled, even as his body yearned for heat and skin and passion. He clutched at the blanket covering his torso, and he felt a small flush of heat rush to his face when he realized Hermione must have been the one to undress him and put him to bed. Thank goodness he still had his pants on, at least. He studiously kept his eyes away from Malfoy. Harry could feel the burning of Malfoy's gaze upon him and was worried what thoughts and feelings might come to the surface if he looked into Malfoy's knowing, gray eyes. The thing was, Harry was having some very inappropriate thoughts about his other horror partner and best friend, not just Malfoy. So, Potter, came Malfoy's voice, somehow still smug despite what they'd been through, from the other bed. Are you going to tell her, or am I? What are you on about, Malfoy? 
Harry couldn't help the bite to his words, the outward antagonism. It was the only way he could channel the emotion he felt. If he didn't let himself be angry, he knew he'd want to jump into bed with Malfoy instead. Other than a lift of his elegant brow, there was no outward indication that Harry's words had bothered Malfoy. Instead, he stretched himself out like a cat, languorous and lithe, and Harry averted his eyes again when the blanket slipped down Malfoy's chest, revealing an expanse of pale skin crisscrossed with scars. Harry cast a silent, wandless cooling charm over himself, feeling suddenly heated. "'Fine, if that's the way you want to play it,' Malfoy murmured, pushing the covers down further until they only just covered his groin, the sharp V of muscles that Harry had always secretly admired whenever he'd seen them in the shower after aura training or interdepartmental quidditch matches, made him swallow nervously and struggle to pull his gaze from Malfoy's body to his eyes. When he did, Malfoy was watching him with a small, familiar smirk. "'I'm hot,' Malfoy said, with an arrogant raise of his eyebrow. Harry felt himself flush at Malfoy's words, and gave him a scowl before turning over on his mattress so he faced the wall. Surely Malfoy couldn't have meant what Harry thought, could he? There was no way Malfoy fancied Harry, let alone Hermione as well, right?' A low chuckle drifted over from Malfoy's bed, but Harry studiously ignored it. He would do as Hermione had commanded and sleep. Maybe when he woke up, this day and his inappropriate arousal would all be a horrible dream. Granger was gone for all of about three hours before she returned. The evening had started to draw in. Potter and Draco had both showered, separately, not that Draco cared, and Potter had spent most of the time ignoring Draco completely. Granger's bursting into the room was a welcome break in the otherwise silent monotony, to be honest. "'I think I have a solution to your problem,' Granger announced as she stormed in, a stack of parchment in her arms. "'But I don't think either of you are going to like it.' "'Let's hear it then, Granger,' Draco said, watching as she spilled the parchment onto Potter's bed in an avalanche of paper. "'Standard amatensia creates an infatuation in the victim for the witch or wizard who administered the potion.' Draco nodded in agreement, and even Potter didn't look too confused at this point. The addition of unicorn hair and knotgrass seems to have changed the infatuation, however. I think now it amplifies attraction which is already there. Hermione, Potter started to object, but his brain seemed to catch up with his mouth, and he shut up again, his cheeks flushing red as he ignored Draco once more. Look, Harry, she said softly, reaching down to lay a gentle hand over his. The three of us have been working together for six months now. We make a good team, and honestly, anyone who saw you two at school together would not be surprised by this... Uh, revelation. She flashed a knowing grin in Draco's direction, and he had to work hard not to smirk in response. Anyway, the addition of knotgrass means the potion has very long-lasting effects. I think it could be several months before you feel normal again, unless... Granger trailed off, sitting down on Potter's bed, looking over to Draco. "'Come on, Granger,' he said, stealing himself for whatever unpleasantness she was about to suggest. "'We're all grown-ups. We can handle it.' She looked away from Draco, giving Potter an apologetic look. "'I think if you give in to the potion's effects, it will clear the compulsion from your system.' Draco's heart fluttered with unconscious anticipation, his mind filled with helpless thoughts of Harry naked and willing beneath him, before he tamped down his feelings once more. Potter's expression had transformed into a swirling maelstrom of emotions, each chasing across his face far too fast for Draco to zero in on any of them. Hermione, you don't mean you want me and Malfoy to have sex? 
Granger shrugged awkwardly, avoiding both of their gazes. Draco watched her carefully. Something wasn't quite right about her demeanor, and a second later he realized what it was. She had the same slope to her shoulders she often did when she was sad, when her world was momentarily too heavy for her to bear. "'It sounds like it's probably something you both want, Harry,' she said, so softly Draco barely heard her. "'Would it really be so terrible?' Potter mouthed wordlessly, and Granger got to her feet again. "'Look, I'll leave you to talk it over. It's up to you what you decide to do. I'll just, uh, cast a silencing charm as I leave, shall I?' Draco was out of bed and grasping Granger's elbow before she got to the door. She looked up at him in surprise, and Draco saw her beautiful brown eyes sparkling with unshed tears. The thought of his and Potter's having sex was making Granger distress, and it broke Draco's heart. "'Draco, it's, it's fine,' she whispered. "'What do you smell, Granger?' Draco asked, interrupting her and leaving her speechless. "'When you're near, Amatantia.' Granger went bright pink, her brown eyes widening in either panic or with racing thoughts. Draco stayed silent, and even Potter was quiet for once, watching her with interest. "'I, well, if you must know, actually, I hardly think it's relevant. Don't you think we have bigger things to think about right now?' Granger's voice had gotten steadily higher with every word until she stood panting heavily, with her hands on her hips and her hair frizzing around her head. Potter looked over at Draco with quizzical green eyes, as if silently asking, "'What next?' Draco took a step forward into Granger's space, and lifted a gentle hand, as if cautioning a frightened animal. "'I think, Granger,' he said, keeping his voice low as he touched her hand, "'that it's actually incredibly relevant.' "'What Malfoy is trying to say, Hermione,' Potter finally spoke, walking up to them, running an awkward hand through his dark hair, "'is that we both kind of fancy you, as well as each other, I mean.' he added with a wince, as if the idea of fancying Draco was quite enough trouble to be dealing with for one day. Draco glanced at him in surprise. He hadn't expected Potter to be quite so forthcoming. Granger looked up at them, her eyes flitting from one to the other. She was breathing heavily and bit her lower lip. Draco tried not to stare at the mark she left behind, red against the blush of her lips, or think about how he desperately wanted to kiss the mark away. I... I smell parchment and broomstick wax, and apples and tea leaves, she whispered. And who do you think of, Hermione? Potter asked, in barely more than a whisper himself, from Draco's side. The heat and hardness of his body brushed against Draco's arm, and it took all of Draco's self-control not to grab hold of him and Granger and apparate them to the master bedroom he knew was on the top floor. You, she admitted, looking Potter dead in the eyes. And you she added, turning her dark, careful gaze to Draco. Both of you. Have done for ages, to be honest, she added with a small laugh. I can't believe this is where I've ended up, Draco said with a rueful grin, falling for not one, but two infuriating Gryffindors. Potter gave him a playful shove as Hermione smiled up at him. Draco turned his head to find Potter there by his side, close enough to kiss. Draco breathed in the delicious scent of him, Freshly mown grass and tea leaves, the same as he'd caught in the Amertensia potion. Potter, he murmured, and Potter shifted infinitesimally closer, sending a shiver down Draco's spine. Why don't we relocate this conversation? Potter's eyes darkened as he realized what Draco meant, 
and a moment later he took firm hold of both Draco and Hermione's arms and, without the need of his wand, apparated all three of them up into the master bedroom. They collapsed in a tangle on the mattress, and Potter had the good grace to look abashed. "'I didn't mean for us to actually land on the bed,' he said awkwardly, as he helped Hermione into a sitting position, even as his own body nestled across Draco's. "'Do you think we should talk about this first? Hermione asked, a little breathless, as Draco stroked a finger along the arch of her neck, and Harry pushed a loose curl behind her ear, his other hand resting comfortably on Draco's thigh. "'What do you want to talk about, Hermione?' Harry replied as he started to stroke his thumb in slow, teasing circles on the inside of Draco's leg. Draco stifled a groan, but he couldn't stop his cock from twitching, hopefully. He scowled at Harry, who gave him an innocent smile before turning back to Granger. Bloody tease. Hermione's eyes fluttered closed as Harry moved a little closer, his nose brushing against her temple, and he dropped a kiss on her hair. Harry, she broke off as he moved his lips to her neck, sucking a kiss onto the long length of her throat. Potter, wait, Draco commanded, and Harry stilled, his lips hovering above Hermione's throat. Granger, Draco murmured against her skin. He had to occlude ever so slightly, just enough to not let his dick override his brain. We can stop and talk first, if you want. Don't you dare stop, she growled instead, and Harry's eyes darkened, sending a thrill of desire through Draco. He bit his lip, trying his hardest to focus, as Hermione squirmed against him, turning her head to press a kiss on Draco's jaw, and Harry's hand on his thigh moved up a good few inches until he was dangerously close to Draco's groin. Wait, he said again, desperation rising. Harry's other hand swept over the curve of Hermione's breast over her top, and she arched her back, whimpering in Draco's arms. Fuck, he muttered under his breath. Harry moved to kiss Hermione again, but Draco reached down and grabbed that messy, untamed hair in his hand, pulling Harry's head up. "'We shouldn't be doing this just because we want to break the potion's effects,' he said, and Harry grinned and licked his lips. "'I've wanted to fuck you since sixth year, Malfoy,' he said, blunt and unashamed, shocking Draco into silence. "'And I've fancied you since fourth year,' Hermione said with a small smile, nuzzling up against his neck. "'You—you have?' Draco looked at them both in surprise, and they looked back with knowing eyes and indulgent smiles and irritating, glorious, Gryffindorness. Honestly, Draco, Harry said, leaning over Hermione to brush his nose against Draco's, I thought you were supposed to be clever. And before Draco could respond, indignant or otherwise, Harry swooped down and kissed him, hard and demanding. Draco opened his mouth to Harry, and he stifled a moan as Harry's tongue slid against his, at the same moment as Hermione ran her hands over Draco's chest. Her lips, soft and sweet, a contrast to Harry's blazing passion, kissed along his body, leaving a trail of fire in their wake. Draco floated along on the wave of their touches and words, his body singing with the attentions he had so longed for from them. Harry pushed Hermione onto her back, her hair fanning like a halo of copper and gold around her, and gently urged Draco between her legs. Not that he needed any urging. She tasted as rich and smoky as fire whiskey, delicious and addicting, and Draco groaned into her with delight as Harry stroked one hand through his hair and the other down his back before sliding around to grab his cock. He managed to hold on just until Granger came with a glorious cry of his name, flooding his mouth with sweetness, and Harry released his hold on Draco and pulled him up for a kiss instead. The kiss was furious, biting, as Harry licked away the taste of Hermione and Draco chased Harry's mouth when he pulled away. 
Harry laughed a low, melodious sound and pushed Draco down next to Hermione. Draco watched, dazed, as Harry leaned down and gave Hermione a sweet kiss before waving his hand over her abdomen and casting a contraceptive charm. Hermione arched into his touch as he lined himself up and slid deep into her, her long legs wrapping around Harry's muscled thighs. Draco let his hand drift to his own cock, hard and neglected since Harry had let go of him. He groaned as he stroked himself, and two pairs of bright, eager eyes locked onto his as the sound escaped his lips. Harry grinned and rolled himself and Hermione over so she straddled him. Her eyes were blown and black, her lips parted and her breath coming in little gasps. Harry reached out one hand to Draco, still buried deep in Hermione. "'Come here,' he said, and Draco shifted to his knees, moving closer. Harry leaned close enough to lick a long stripe of Draco's dick, making stars shoot in his eyes, and before Draco could utter a word, Harry had pulled him down so he could take him in his mouth. "'Fuck!' Draco muttered helplessly, as Harry's green eyes fluttered open to look up at him. Draco unconsciously jerked his hips, making Harry's eyes widen, and he bit his lip guiltily and tried to pull away. Harry, however, had other ideas, holding on to Draco's hips, keeping him in place. Draco relaxed as Harry slowly started to bob his head up and down, and just as he had settled into a delicious rhythm, Draco saw Harry give Hermione a gentle tap on her thigh, urging her on as well through half-closed eyes. She started to move on top of Harry, as fluid as a dancer, her breasts swaying and her head thrown back, eyes closed. Draco bit his lips harder, caught between the incredible feel of Harry's mouth and throat swallowing his cock, and the sight of Hermione, blissful and wanton, riding Harry like a goddess. It was when Hermione's eyes flew open as she let out a strangled cry, her nipples tight and her fingers clenching into Harry's thighs, that Draco knew he was going to tip over the edge as well. He groaned and tried to pull away, knowing he was only seconds away, but Harry grabbed hold of his hips, holding him firmly in place. Draco's fingers gripped Harry's gloriously messy hair, and his mind went blissfully blank as he spilled himself down Harry's throat. Harry closed his gorgeous eyes as he swallowed him down, and Draco pulled himself free. Harry grasped Hermione's thighs and thrust up into her one, two times, before coming himself with a groan and a tensing of his whole body. Then all three of them collapsed into a tangled heap on the bed covers. Draco meant to talk to them, he really did, about sensible things, feelings and boundaries and what was going to happen next between them all. But for just a moment, he decided to close his eyes and rest, comforted by the warmth of Harry and Hermione as they all held on to each other. Sleep snatched him away before he could think again. Harry awoke the next morning, feeling a delightful glow and a delicious ache to his body. Stretching out, his mind blurrily trying to remember the facts of the day before, he was momentarily surprised to feel two warm bodies pressed up against him. Draco, at his back, grumbled sleepily, pressing a kiss between his shoulder blades and shifting so his long, lean body wrapped back around him. Nestled against his chest, Hermione's hair was enormous, and some of the loose strands tickled his nose. Harry smiled and pulled her a little closer, and she murmured against his chest, her arms loose around his waist. He didn't want to move, warm and comfortable between them both, and for a few long minutes he lay still as his mind filled in all the details from the night before. Eventually, Draco stirred again, huffing like a discontented cat. Harry carefully turned onto his back, his head propped up against the pillows. Hermione moved with him, so she curled into his side, and Draco settled his head on Harry's chest. When Harry looked down at Draco, he saw one silver eye open just a sliver, looking up hopefully. 
Any chance of a cup of tea? he asked, his hands splaying over Harry's stomach. Harry groaned, but he didn't really feel annoyed. Instead, the warmth from his two lovers nestled on either side of him seemed to infuse him from the inside out, radiating from his chest. Fine, he said, and the sweet smile from Draco, not to mention the kiss he stole when he climbed out from beneath him, was reward enough. Harry wasted no time in boiling the water and making up a pot of tea, as well as a mug of coffee for Hermione, placing everything onto a tray and levitating it to follow him back up the stairs. When he pushed open the door to his room and looked over to the bed, a smile curled on his lips as he saw Hermione and Draco entwined around each other, the space where Harry had been no longer existing. "'Stop staring and get your ass over here, Potter,' Draco drawled without even opening his eyes. Harry shook his head with a laugh, waving the tray over to the bed. As he approached, Draco lifted the duvet, inviting Harry back into bed. As Harry clambered back between them, Hermione smiling sleepily and giving him a slow, sweet kiss before settling back into his chest. Harry and Draco propped up on the pillows. Draco passed him a cup of tea and the mug of coffee to Hermione, who took it with a grateful smile. Harry knew if he could smell Amortentia again right now, it would smell exactly like this moment. Tea leaves and hot coffee, morning sunshine and warm, laundered sheets, and the soft, delightful, curling scent of love. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this reading and would like to stay up to date for other chapters and stories from ETL Echo, you can follow us on TikTok, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at etl.echo.audiobooks. ETL Echo, echoing tales of enemies to lovers.